We will start with our scripture reading for the day. This morning's scripture reading comes from Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Brandon. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God here is talking about his presence and being with us. And uh, God has made that promise to us. And I also say to everyone here, um, is God on your mind? Is God really on your mind? And God has promised to be with us. But how many of us consciously decide to take God with us wherever we are? Um, God should be with us and on our minds, not only when we're here on church. I mean, that's kind of obvious that when you're in church, God is on your mind, hopefully. Um, even though I must say I heard something rather curious this morning. Um, you know, when I'm getting dressed, I have some ministries on TV kind of listening to as I'm getting dressed. And this one particular ministry said, uh, he started, minister started off by saying, um, most churches tell people, in the congregation to silence your cell phones, you know, turn them down or turn them off or whatever. But here, I'm going to say to leave your cell phone on, you know, so you can either read the Bible, but most importantly, so you can tweet the message while I'm speaking. So you can tweet the message out to to everyone else as the sermon is being delivered. And I just found that so curious because, I mean, you're asking people in the congregation there who are gathered there to hear the word of God and really, really get in to understand it. But if you're sitting there trying to fumble with your phone and then tweet it out. And I don't do Twitter, but I'm imagining that as soon as somebody you tweet, somebody's going to answer you back, I'm guessing. And then you're going to be sitting there fooling with tweeting back and forth instead of sitting there listening to the message, which is designed for your benefit. You know, so I can imagine. I mean, Facebook just simply astounds me. So I can imagine trying to deal with a Facebook page sitting in church while listening to a sermon. So I imagine tweeting. But the point I'm making, though, is that here you're telling people who should be sitting there listening to the word of God for the intent of hearing God speak to them through the message. You know, because this is why we go to church, so we can hear the Word of God. And what is the Word of God telling me relative to my life, relative to what's going on, and how can I overcome the issues in my life? How can I deal with whatever's going on? But if you're sitting there preoccupied with tweeting, then I just wonder, then how much is God really on your mind? You know? And what we need to do is to get in the habit of having God on our mind and taking God wherever we go. You know? And that means that when we are away from church, and we all are away from church, I'm not trying to condemn anyone from not being in church because we all have times that we miss church. You know, there are times when, obviously, you know, we've had myself and closing and, and having to do other things that takes me away from the sermon, from delivering a sermon. But is God always with you, you know? And just because we're not in church does not mean that God should not be on your mind. And you shouldn't feel that God is with you. Uh, we're going to go to Joshua. While I'm speaking, why don't you turn to Joshua chapter 1. And, uh, and some of you may recall, um, we went down, the family went down to uh, Disneyland a couple of years or so back, I guess it was. And uh, I shared with you an experience that um, I always take God on vacation. I take God with me when I'm traveling. God is who I talk to in those in-between times when I'm quiet and there's no one else to talk to. God, I know, is with me. But on this particular trip, and you know, those that know me know that I don't like fast rides. I don't like roller coasters, and I don't do things that go dipping and spinning around curves and things like that. You know, And God bless all of you that do. I pray that you get on them with a prayer on your lips. Amen? As you ride those things. But um, 
I had decided that, yeah, maybe I will try this one particular car ride, you know, because it looked, looked pretty innocent from a distance and everything. And I remember that as I was walking towards the ride, ride with my family, I distinctly heard God's voice, do not get on that ride. Simple as that. And we were walking towards and I was just about to get online. And I turned to my wife and daughter and I said, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm going to sit on the bench. I'll wait for you here. And I sat on the bench. And boy, am I glad I did. Because they told me that when they went on that ride, you remember that ride. While it started out fairly innocent, the thing got into some dips and some turns and some speeds that I know I would have been screaming like a French hairdresser or something. And all right, So I am so glad, I am so glad that I had God with me in Disney, you know, to let me know. Because God knows me. God knows I do not like those rides, all right? So God distinctly, and I heard him as clear as day, don't go on that ride, as simple as that. And I obeyed that voice, and I am so glad I did, you see. So when we went to Disney, I did not leave God in Salem. I did not leave God in Genesis 1 Christian Ministries and say to God, Okay, God, I'll see you in a couple of weeks when I come back. So we must remember to do the same thing. To always have God on your mind and to take him with you. And even though you're not physically in church, for whatever the reason might be, to remember that God is with you. When you go on vacation, take him with you. And the Lord knows that we need that so much now. Um, we were down in Washington, D.C., and of all places, we were down there one year and... All of a sudden, an earthquake broke out. Boom, 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 boom. And nowhere in the way. I mean, Washington. Here, I'm living on the West Coast now, and I never experienced an earthquake, thanks God. And where do I find one? Back in Washington, near on the East Coast. Back East. You know, so, and thank God God was with us and brought us through that without any harm. So I'm saying it's so important, especially in this day and age, to know that God is with you. But you also make a, con- a conscious effort of saying, okay, God, I'm going here, I'm going there, be with me. So, looking at Joshua 1, and we're going to build a foundation for this because I want to look at three basic areas today. Talk about taking God with you or know that God is with you, listening to God, and then the last area will be after you hear God, what you must do. Okay? What do you do after you hear God? So starting with Joshua 1, and we're going to start with verse number 1. We've been here before, but let's analyze what the Word of God is saying. Um, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your border. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, underline all of this, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Please underline all of that if you don't already have it underlined. First thing you should realize is that God is God's will for us in verse number 3 there. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. So that means success. So that means that God's expectation for us is that the things that we get into, that God, God wants us to succeed in it. You know, every place that you step your foot, everything that you put your hand into, everything that you venture into, God is saying that you shall possess it, you shall possess it. And he also, then he closes out by saying that no man shall be able to stand before the other days of our life. You know, 
know, a man standing before you, those will be the conflicts that come into your life. Those will be the things that other men, other human beings can present to you. But those things that, that are coming against you, they will not be able to prevail over you. Amen? No weapon formed against me shall prosper is another scripture that comes to mind. So God's will is for us to prosper, is for us to be okay, is for us to accomplish that which God has, has ordained for us to accomplish. As I was with Moses, shall I, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Okay? So know that God is, is with you. Knowing that God is with you, and then I just find it so much even more reassuring when you literally say in the morning, and I do, I do, when I'm on the way out the door and I've grabbed my keys, I literally say, okay, Lord, let's go. Please go with me to work today. Please guide me through the day, oh, Lord. Okay, let's go. And then I have a drive to get to work, and I have some music on. I'm usually praying in tongues and, and just talking about the day ahead. As Holy Spirit puts on my mind the things that I have coming up, the meetings or whatever it is that's going on, I ask the Lord, Lord, go into this meeting with me. There have been times that I've gone into a contentious meeting that I know is going to be contentious. As I walk through the conference room door, I will say, okay, Lord, let's go. It's just like that. All right? And you need to get into the habit of knowing that God is a being, is a per- not a human being, per- Person, but is someone who is right there next to you. And if you can get yourself in the habit of kind of saying, okay, Lord, come with me. You know, believe me, God will honor that. God enjoys you thinking of him in that fashion and knowing that you need him to go into that meeting. And I guarantee you, you will see the people that you thought would be coming against you, where you thought that you may have some pushback or some resistance, you'll find that the meeting will go not maybe as you anticipated, it'll go very, very smoothly indeed. So get in the habit, you know. You're going on vacation, you're going someplace, you're going looking for a house, you're looking for a job, wherever it may be. Say, okay, Lord, let's go into this meeting. Let's go into this conversation conversation, Lord, go with me. Because he says that he's not going to be, he's going to be there and he won't forsake you. Okay, we also look at 1-9, Joshua chapter 1, verse number 9. And it says, um, uh, let's go to 8 first. 1, chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all, underline all, that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Alright? So the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, the book, the words of this book, of the Bible, are always in your mouth, and you shall meditate upon it day, day and night. You see? Now, you know, um, the only way, you know, if you can remember back when you were in school, and for some of us it may be harder than others, depending on your age, amen. Okay, remember back in school, you know, if you had a lesson coming up that was challenging for you, you knew you were going to have a quiz or a test on it, you meditated or you studied on it. Hopefully you did. You studied on it, okay? Not many of us can, you know, I heard some place back in the 60s when all this stuff was going on about transcendental meditation. All you have to do is... Put your textbook under your pillow and sleep on it at night, okay? And you'll wake up and you'll know everything that's in the textbook. Guess what? Thaw, lie, it doesn't work. I tried it, didn't work. I woke up just as dumb as I was the day before, amen? So it wasn't until I later on came to know the Lord and figured out how to really study, and that was by asking the help of God. God, illuminate my mind. Show me my weaknesses. Show me where I need to study. Show me what chapters I need to really focus on, okay? So that's in the secular and the regular world. Here where it's saying there, um, you shall not these words the part of your mouth, but shall meditate on them day and night. You need to meditate on what the word of God is saying. 
All right. Okay. Not only should you be reading scripture, but but if a, if, a, if a particular verse comes to you, you know, or if a verse comes to you or that you're reading that you don't quite understand, you know, you pray about it and ask God, what God, what are you really telling me through that verse? What are you really saying? And you think about it and meditate on it, and Holy Spirit will give you the answer. He will guide you how th- that verse or those verses might be applicable to your life, to a situation that's before you. All right. But you meditate on those words both 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 day and night. Now, again, that goes beyond you just being in church, hearing a sermon, and reading the Bible as you're following along with the sermon. It goes beyond that, okay? Where you, you're taking some responsibility for your life, and you're meditating and thinking about what God's Word says, you know? And you will find sometimes... You'll be doing something else around the house, or maybe you'll be at work, maybe you'll be in the car, that all of a sudden a scripture will come to mind. Just out of the blue, a scripture will come to mind. And you stop and you ask yourself, huh, why did that, why did that pop into my mind? And then you, you, you meditate on it, think about it. You know, the real word in the original Greek was more like meaning regurgitated. Okay? Regurgitating it, thinking about, this sounds kind of gross, but how does a, a cow chew its food? It chews it the first time, then I understand after it swallows it, it brings it back up and it chews it again. So meditating upon the word in the original, uh, uh, in, in the uh, original Hebrew here was really talking more like you regurgitating the word, bringing it back up and thinking about it again. Bringing it back up and meditating and thinking on what does that word mean, what does it mean. And then as you're doing that, you'll get in the habit of Holy Spirit revealing to you what it is that that word or that scripture is, is meaning for you relative to your life at that time. Okay? And then he says, there in, in the latter part, the end part of verse number 8, if you do all these things that are written therein, for then, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee, underline commanded, commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go, wherever you go. Okay, underline that, wherever you go. Okay, so that's a problem. So that means when you're going down to Disney, God is there with you, okay? But the, but the thing is, though, is God on your mind. God is there silently and quietly, quietly there next, next to you on your side and everything. But are you aware of that? And therefore, are you saying, God, act, act, are you actively saying, God, go with me. Show me this. Tell me that. Should I take this job? You know, should I take this house? Should I go on this trip? You know, you know I, there are a lot of people that are, 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 are traveling, you know, and you need to make sure that you, you're even praying about that. The world is a different place. The world is a different place. Where at one time you may not give two thoughts about going from point A to point B, especially outside of this country. You know, the world is a different place. You need to be praying about before you start your traveling. You need to pray wherever you travel for that matter because you don't have to be going from here to, to Russia or the Middle East to get into trouble or the problems. You can go from here to New Jersey and get into problems. Amen. So you need to make sure that you're praying about places that you're doing and where you're going. But the Lord is with you wherever wherever you go. Um, the next scripture is, let's go to Matthew. Go to the book of Matthew. Okay, God is at Matthew 28. God is always, God is always with us, but how many times do we stop and think about the fact that he is with you? How many times do you go to Walmart? Or any other store. If I was to ask for a show of hands, probably every hand in here would go up, right? But how many times do you go to Walmart looking for something in particular, you know? 
And there have been times that I've, you know, really, really wanted something badly and couldn't find it. I literally would go in that store and say, okay, Lord, please help me to find this, you know. I pray Walmart has it. What aisle might it be in or whatever, you know. The whole thing is to make God actively a part of your life. And don't just, you know, think of him as some theoretical being. Uh, Okay, Matthew 28, verse number 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. Even unto the end of the age. So now here Jesus is saying that he is always with us. You know, but again, how How many of us stop and think about the fact that Jesus is by your side? You know, how many times you actually, you know, one of the biggest issues that we have as human beings, as Christian human beings, is that if something is not physically there in front of us, that we don't think of it being there, you know. And one of the things that those that are against Christianity or that, you know, atheists or non-believers or unbelievers will say, how can you believe in a God that you can't see? You know, God says that he is there by your side. How can you believe that? All right, well, it's very, very simple. It's not rocket science. You believe that by an act of faith and by the fact that Holy Spirit is in you. And also, if you've been a child of God for any length of time, look at the wondrous things that God has done in your life. Look at the times that God has brought you through. Look at the times that, that, that God did something to you that really came as quite, an, uh, uh, quite a surprise to you. Uh, look, look at a promotion that came out of, out of left field that you weren't really expecting. You know, look how you, you were able to accomplish something without you really putting your mind to it that much, you know. So God is always there working many times silently for a child of God, and you're one of his children, you see. And so you don't, um, you don't hear God announcing, I am now about to do this, you know, and then a big, tremendous drum roll and flashing and lightning. But these wondrous things happen in your life, you know. People and circumstances that are coming against you miraculously kind of just go away and disappear, you see. Well, this is a quote-unquote an invisible God that loves you very, very much, that is acting on your behalf and is acting in your life, you see. And many times we read this and we just kind of say, okay, these words are written in red, so that's Jesus speaking, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Well, that's great he's saying that, but how do I know that? How do I know that? Okay, well... I can stand up here, newsflash, I can stand up here and talk to you until I'm green in the face, you know, and play all sorts of music and do this and do that. The bottom line at the end of the day is they say, it's all up to you. It's all up to you, you know. Do you really, 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 really believe that God has your back, so to speak, and that when Jesus says that I'm with you until the end of the age, that I'm there, that God is there? That God is there. So this is a thing where it's in your heart and it's in your mind and in your head to get to the point that, that God is there. Okay. God is there. I can be sitting in a room with just the two of us, any one of you, just the two of us. Okay. And I know you're there. But if I'm not communicating with you, if I'm not talking to you, And I'm trying to accomplish something, and you're a part of that. If I'm not communicating with you and talking to you, then what good is it knowing that you're there? 
You know, what, what good is it? It doesn't accomplish anything. It's a practice in futility, you know. There's an old joke that I heard once, it's not that funny, but a joke, where there were two people who were on a, uh, um, a stranded, a, a, a desert island, you know, the proverbial desert island, two British people, two British men were stranded on a desert island. And 20 years or whatever went by, and finally, you know, the boat came up and rescued them, and so forth, and one, the, the captain of the boat said, oh, well, hello, I'm Captain so-and-so, and says to one of them, oh, what's your name? So-and-so, so-and-so, the guy says, John, or whatever. Oh, and what's his name? And he says, I don't know. They were on the island for 20 years. And he says, I don't know what his name is. And the captain says, well, how could you not know who his name is? He answers back in a very typical British manner, I don't know. We were not properly introduced. <laughs> okay. So all of that time, 20 years, they sat there on that island and didn't speak to each other simply because that formality weren't introduced. So how many times, how many years has God been by your side? Because he says he's there. But you have chosen not to communicate to him. You see? You see? And many times that choice is not simply because you're being obstinate or because you don't want to talk to God. But you're moving and you're running so fast that you just don't stop and take the time to think that you should talk to God. Okay? Alrighty? And this is going beyond just simply praying to God. This is, I'm saying, getting into the habit which will seem, feel a little strange to you at first. But when you're in a room there, I mean, no one else is there. What else do you, do you have to lose? No one's looking at you. You know, that you talk to God. You don't need the these and the thou's in King James language, but you talk to God. God, I've got this issue before me. God, I've got this choice to make. I've got this decision to make. Lord, I, I, I've got this thing going with this other person, okay? And, and Lord, what do I say? How do I, come, how do I get, get around this? How do I make this go away? What is it that I should do? Literally, just spend some time talking to God, because God is there with you, you know? And when I say this, trust me, and well, don't trust me, trust the Word of God, but when, when, when I say this, what the Word of God here is saying, you will be simply shocked, you will be surprised at what you get back. You'll be surprised at what you hear. You'll be surprised at what revelations will come to you. You'll be surprised at what kind of direction and what kind of actions you'll be told to take. And we're going to get to later on about after you hear from God what you should do about it. But, but the first thing is to acknowledge the fact that he is in, indeed there. And God has told you so many times that he is. If we know that God is with us, we will be content with where we are in life. All right? If we know that God is with us, we'll be content with where we are in life. Okay, now, this does not mean that we shouldn't have visions, you know, and plans for our life, okay? But there's a, there's a difference between having a vision and a plan from, for, for your life and not being content in where you are, where you are in life, okay? Let's look at what the, uh, what the Word of God says about that. Let's go to Hebrews 13. Okay? If you know that God is there, you will be content with where you, with where you are in life. Okay. Now, does that mean that I should stop striving for anything? Well, let's see what the Word of God says. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse number 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them who suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will, in, will judge. Let your manner of life, let your manner of life or your conversation be without covetousness, okay, be, be without, 
being just, you know, overly wanting something. And be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them, remember, uh, remember them who have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their manner of life. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with foods which have not profited them that have been occupied with them. All right. So back up there where it says, um, verse number seven. Let your man of life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So many times we, um, we, we, we forget so many times how well off we are. Okay, while there is something that you may be striving for, and God talks a lot, the Word talks a lot about having a vision and a plan for your life. Do not have this plan for your life where you covet something that someone else has, or you're envious of a position that someone else has, or some other possession that someone else has, okay? God knows what it is that you have, and if God has you in that place with what you have, be content at that for the time being. Be content there, alright? God knows what aspirations you have. God God knows what you desire, God knows what you need, and God will accomplish those things in his time and when he sees fit. But to covet something, and coveting is wanting something so badly, you know, that uh, it just consumes all of your energy, that is not where God wants us to be. It also says there that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and be, be, carried, be not carried away with, with various and strange doctrines. Well, there are so many strange doctrines out there today, it is not funny. You know, now, and a strange doctrine is a belief or someone quoting things other than what the Bible is telling us. All right? You will find doctrines that are developed by religious sects. You will find doctrines that are developed by churches. You will find doctrines that are developed by men. And they will be espousing their, um, their version of the word to fit whatever it is, you know, their their purpose in life as they see it is you know so don't be carried away by those strange strange doctrines the only doctrine that we have is the word of God and it says that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever you will see movements and you've heard about this already but it's going to be coming more and more and more as man continues to change the secular laws of the government okay as man continues to change life and society in terms of what people in this country think we ought to be doing or where we should be doing, as Supreme Court and other, and other places of power um, establish that to be right, they will try and take those things and push that into the Word of God and try to make it seem like God supports where you're going. Well, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What God says in Scripture here, going back, going back way back to Genesis 1, in concept, those things have not changed. God does not change His mind. You cannot have a church simply to go along with pleasing society Simply with going along to please society, say, all of a sudden now, it's okay for you to do so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Okay? God doesn't change. You've heard the argument, or you may have heard the argument, I've heard the argument. Well, you know, the so-and-so church is just so out of date. The so-and-so church is stuck back in the Middle Ages. The so-and-so church is stuck in, in medieval time, in ancient times. You know, society has changed. So therefore, the church has to change. No, 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 that's not the way it works at all. 
at all. That's the same thing as us saying mankind has changed in its thinking, so therefore God has to change in his thinking. All right? And it simply is not going to be so at all. God's word is, is, is fixed. It, it, it is the only thing in life, in science, that is absolute. God's word is absolute. It is the truth. And God does not change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So just because some doctrine or whatever comes about that says the one of the most famous that you can talk about is all of a sudden it's okay to eat meat on Fridays. Whereas before the biblical stance was that according to the Bible you can't eat meat on Fridays or somehow they... They said that was from the Bible. But now all of a sudden, because society rose up and they came against that, all of a sudden the church reverses itself and says, okay, it's okay to eat meat on Friday. All right? And I'm saying to you, I submit to you, that we are going to, over time, see more and more and more and more of those reversals, of those things coming about, because society has changed. The morals of this country are being rapidly um, uh, degrading. They're just crumbling. And now people will start making the argument that the Bible needs to catch up with man. The Bible needs to catch up with society because society has changed. The morals in this country has changed. Therefore, the the, the Bible has to change or the church needs to change. Whatever that change might be, might come up, might wind up being, that is a doctrine. That's a doctrine. Okay? Alrighty? So what, what Jesus is saying here, God is saying, saying, it says, do not, do not be taken away. Um, verse number nine, be not carried away with various and strange doctrines. Okay? So anything that is stated that is outside of this word of God, that is a doctrine. And if it is not in line with God's word as we see it here, then that is a doctrine and God is warning us to, to stay away from it. Alright? Now, he wouldn't have said this so long ago. If God did not know that this, is, that this would be happening. And we see it happening right before our eyes. We see it happening. Listen to what's being said on the news. Listening to how they are saying that the church needs to become more modern. The people in the country are changing the way they think. The church needs to stay in line with modern civilization, with modern sociological quote-unquote norms. That is not the case at all. Not the case, okay? We do not take God and force God to conform to us. Us being mankind, all right? It's the other way around, all right? We have to conform to God, all right? So again, so having God on your mind, having God on your mind and taking God with you, as you go forth in your daily life, you will see these things happening more and more. And now after you know that God is with you, when he talks to you, you need to listen. And this is the most challenging part. If I had not listened to God in, the, uh, in that park there, like I said, I would have been on a ride that would have been probably had me climbing the walls and everything else there because uh, I don't like that sort of speed. So after you hear God, what do you do about it? Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. One nineteen. Okay, and verse number one oh five. Psalm one nineteen, verse one oh five. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Please underline that. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
God's word is the only light that you see, that you need, okay? And a lamp meaning that God will show you the way. So you've got this, this situation before you, whether it's a situation or, or it's a plan or someone is challenging you or whatever this issue is. You don't know whether to go to the left or to go, go to the right. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. So God will illuminate your way. All right? The same way God illuminated my way by telling me not to go in that direction. I was going someplace that I did not know. I was going and did not know what was ahead of me. So God's word can illumine what is before you and can light the way for you to, to, to show you what actions that you should take. Amen? To show you whatever it is that you need to do. But you've got to get in the habit of asking God and talking to him. Okay? And I don't care how trivial or how quote-unquote personal it may seem or sound. Amen? This is God. God knows everything about you as it is. God knows your thoughts, he knows your actions, he knows what's in your heart of hearts, he knows what challenges are there, alright? So what you're saying to him is, God, show me the way, give me the answer, you know? And if you stop and think about, is not that what we do when you go to someone for advice? When you go to ask someone, what do you think I should do, you know? Should I do this, should I buy that, should I go here, should I say this? You're asking someone to, to illumine your way, if you will. To light up your path, to, to enlighten you. Tell me what it is that I should do. So what this is saying is that God's word is that lamp. God's word is that lamp, you know. For right now, as you're sitting here in this sanctuary, whatever things may be in your life that might be a challenge for you, whatever things that might be in your life right now that may be a question for you where you're not sure where to go, you're not sure what to do, you know. For right now, you are in darkness, so to speak. Because the answer to that thing that is out there before you, you cannot see it. You can't see what the answer is. You can't see what direction you should take. It, 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 it's like you being in a tunnel. You can't see it. Amen. Amen. So right now you're in darkness concerning that particular matter. If you don't have the answer for it. You, you, you're in a place, of, you're, you're in a place of, 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 of being of unknowing. Of not knowing what is to happen. So you're in darkness. What well, is saying that God's word is a lamp. It's a lamp. It's a light unto your path. Amen. So if you want that darkness that is there in terms of whatever that issue might be, be it a person, be it a thing, be it a decision, be it something that you need to do, and right now that's dark because you don't have the answer. If you had the answer, it wouldn't be dark. Amen. You know exactly what you needed to do. Amen. So what this is saying is that God's word is a lamp to your feet. And why is it to your feet? Because that tells you direction. Amen. You, you, know, you ever walk into a room that's dark, you don't know where to step. You put on the flashlight, you've got some light, now you know where to step, amen? All right, you know, can you picture, you know, you know. I know one, one of the shocks to me was when I first came to Oregon was some of these dark country roads and you're going around these turns and many times you don't know there's an embankment until you're almost up on it. It scare the daylights out of me, but you don't know and thank God for headlights, amen? Amen, so it's the same thing if you're walking and you don't know what's before you, God's word is a lamp unto your feet, all right, and it's a light unto your path. That path is being, where do I go? Where do I go? Do I make the decision to do A? Do I make the decision to do B? Oh Lord, is there a C? Show me. Well, right now I'm looking around. I don't have the answer and so it's darkness. God's word is a light. Is a light that can bring light to your situation. You go to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. What I love about the word of God is that it has an answer for everything. It has an answer for everything that you may be dealing with of things present and things to come. Uh, things of the past too, for that matter. 
How many times do we dwell on things that were in the past? How many times do we beat ourselves up over things of the past? Well, God's, God's word can light the way for that too. God's word can show you that the past is the past. Don't you dwell there anymore. You know, God can put a light and shine on you and see that what you thought was a, a, a failure on your part or a wrongdoing or something that you should have done in the past, God will show you that such and such is the case. That you, you're wrong to be dwelling there. Amen? Amen? So, so you don't be dwelling there. But God can solve anything that's going on in your life, past, present, or future. Amen? Amen? So whatever is there that may be troubling, you see, and the devil has a good way to, I don't know why I'm dwelling this all of a sudden, but the devil have a good way also of even when you've got some direction from God, you've spoken to God and you've prayed about something and you're on that way, that direction, all of a sudden, like out of the blue, you will have a, a, a blast from the past, so to speak, where you will remember something that is particularly painful to you, that is particularly worrisome to you. And the interesting thing is that, you know, you may have a hard time remembering what you had for breakfast that morning, all right? But when that thing from the past comes up, you can see it in full color, technicolor, you know, I mean, 20 million pixels of color. And so, I mean, you see that thing from the past so crystal clear because the devil brings it back, you know. And the reason he does that is because if he can get you dwelling on the past, especially something that was painful to you back then, when God has washed you of that, God has cleansed you, God is not looking on that. If he can keep you back there, then guess what? In that darkness of the past, then you can't see the light of what God has for you in the future. You can't look forward to the future because you'll spend so much time, you know, dwelling on what was in the past, you know. And you can't change that. You cannot go back to 19 so-and-so or 2000 so-and-so and undo. You know, you've heard the expression, you can't unring a bell. Okay, once the bell has been rung, you can't erase the sound that was there. Amen. So don't let the devil bring you back to a past thing or a past situation to be focusing on that so much that you take your eyes off of where God wants you to go. You know, because it, 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 it's a it's a distraction. You know, um, what do they call that in the in the magic circles? You know, the, the ledger domain or something like that, where you're saying, look over here at one thing, and the magician is doing something over here with the right hand. Well, that's what the devil does by putting you in the past. He has you dwelling on that that you can't see what God is doing in in, in the present time and into the future. All right. So when that comes up, you rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Jesus, remember that God is not holding you. That with God's grace, grace is something that you did not deserve, but God gave us grace and because he loved us so much unconditional love God is, does not want you dwelling back there in the past the past is gone and you have nothing but the future to look ahead to so with that 25 verse number 4 let's, let's start at 1 25 verse number 1 unto thee O Lord do I lift up my soul O my God I trust in thee let me not be ashamed, let not, let not mine enemies triumph over me. Please align that. I trust in thee, let me not be ashamed, let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed who transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Please align. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. 
For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Okay? On thee do I wait all the day. Alright, so here we see that, that God is there, and if you trust in him, that he will indeed, in verse number 4, he will show you the way. He will teach you the path. You see, you know, don't think that there's anything that you can do in this life that you can just plot it out for yourself. You know, and, and, and again, you know, I go back to the old hangnail thing. The simplest things of your life, if you get into the habit of giving it to God and say, God, show me, show me the way, show me the path. You, you know, don't think that um, something as silly as choosing a tie. You know, you know you're in the store there and you're, you're choosing a tie, you know, and you really can't make up your mind, you know. You pray about it. Lord, which tie should I get? You know, now you think, oh, I'm going to bother God with something as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, because it gets you in the habit of consulting God for everything, you see. Because the minute we start thinking to ourselves and start cherry picking, I'll bring this to God, this, nah, I won't bring that to God. Yeah, this is for God thing. Nah, nope, that's a God thing. The thing that we wind up discarding as not being a God thing, well, guess what? That'll be the thing that we should bring to God. You see, you see, you see. See, so you get to the point where you, you bring everything to God and ask God to, to show me that way, show me your way. You know, I was looking at some shirts just yesterday in a, a well-known store that you all would know. And it said, um, buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free. So I said, hmm, distinctly felt in my spirit. Read the sign a little closely, more closely. As I went up closer and read it, it said, buy one, get one free. If the one that you buy, and I'm paraphrasing, the one that you buy at the original price. The original price was $60. Now, I've seen those particular shirts on sale before, and I know what the price is. The price is not $60. So if I had bought one at $60, the second one that I'm getting free, I'm not getting it free. I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it, okay? But it's little things like that, you know, that in the natural you would jump on that and say, wow, what a deal, what a deal. Oh, man, and you'll go grab eight off the shelf, thinking that you got a good deal, you know? And God is probably up there shaking his head saying, oh, my gosh, my child, you know, why didn't you ask me about that? Or why didn't you see? You're not, you know. So, therefore, I'm not being a good steward of God's money because I'm throwing it away, you know, on a, an organization, a store that is basically lying to the public or, Maybe it's not out and out lying, but it, it certainly is unsavory to me to have sales signs like that, you see. But I'm saying all that to say that even a little thing like buying a shirt, you know, I look to God and I expect God to reveal to me anything, anything that might be a trap or anything that might not be, be of benefit to me, all right? So it, says, so it just simply says there that lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day long. Go to Proverbs and winding down your Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, verse number 1. Okay, and this is all about listening, listening, uh, about listening to God. Taking God with you and listening to God. Again, as I said, you know, when I heard God say, don't go on that car ride, don't go on that ride, suppose I just said, oh, well, that's just that, that frankfurter that I ate. Give me indigestion. That's what I'm hearing. That's not really God telling me that. And I went on and got on that ride. Okay, then, you know, you know the story from there. Okay, um, Proverbs number 2, uh, verse number 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and lay up my commandments with thee, so that thou incline your ear unto wisdom, 
So that thou incline your ear unto wisdom, incline your ear unto wisdom, and apply thy heart to understanding, underline wisdom and understanding, and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lift up thy voice for understanding, lift up your voice for understanding means asking for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hidden measures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Please put a bracket around number five. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Okay? So again, this is learning how, how am I going to be listening to God? And if you lift up, if you cry, verse number three, if you cry after knowledge, lift up thy voice for understanding. So again, speaking to God here is God, you know, not only Lord, give me this, give me this, give me that, you know, but Lord, um, I want to understand you. You know, when you speak to me, God, help me to understand what it is that you're telling me. You know, you know, give me some wisdom. You know, God, God, God blesses us some wisdom and so that I'm not contradicting what I'm saying, what I have been saying all along is that um, there are some decisions that God expects us to make on our own. Okay, there are some decisions that God expects us to make on our own using common sense and some good old wisdom but if we're asking God for understanding and for wisdom and we're walking in that light then that means that when we start making a decision on our own and Holy Spirit corrects us and we'll be wise enough and knowledgeable enough so that we don't carry out the decision that we made. That makes sense to you? Okay? All right. You may, make a, you may make a decision on something, but if we've been crying out for knowledge and asking God to, yes, indeed, Lord, I want to follow your path, if you do make a decision that is not in line with what God would want you to do or prefer for you to do, you will hear Holy Spirit correcting you before you actually take the final action and gavel down or whatever that decision might be. Amen? Amen? So he will, he will always guide us. But you've got to cry out for knowledge and ask God for understanding. That is so important that we just simply just don't accept it, but ask Him for understanding. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we go to verse number 25. John ten twenty five. I want to go to twenty five. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Alright, so if you're in God's hands, first of all, there's no one that can take you out of God's hands. No one. No one at all. All right. Verse number 26. But you believe me not because you are not of my sheep. I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So the bottom line is, do you know God's voice? You know, do you know God's voice? Do you know God's voice well enough that if you're about to make a decision on something and God is telling you not to, do you know his voice not to do it? 
Again, go back to my car ride experience in Disneyland, you know. Suppose I did not know God's voice. Suppose I did not recognize this Holy Spirit telling me that. Amen. So you've got to get to the point that you actually know God's voice. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. And there's something about being a child of God. Verse number 9. Okay, this is all under listening to God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Okay? So you can't imagine what God has in mind um, and that he's prepared for you because of the fact that you love him. All right? But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given of God. That we might know the things that are freely given of God. Alright, so so far what, what is being said there is that who knows God any more better than His Spirit? Alright, putting it in everyday human terms, who knows you better than you? Alright, no one. Not your husband, not your wife, not your fiancé, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, mom, dad. No one knows you as well as you know you because the spirit that, that you are knows you. It's the same thing with God. No one knows God more or better than God's Holy Spirit. It continues in verse 13. It says, um, which things we also speak, uh, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom preaches, teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man... Or the, 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 um, the, the part of you that is not you know, driven or carried by Holy Spirit or someone that doesn't know the Lord but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned but he that is spiritual judges all things uh, yet he himself is judged by no man for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ okay so in other words you know the natural man that person that is not a Christian cannot begin to understand the things that you would understand okay because the things that you un- you understand are given to you are discerned uh, by you through Holy Spirit okay so that's how that's how we are, we should be listening to God based on spiritual on spiritual matters. Uh, Two more verses here. James, after you've done all of that, then after you hear God, what must you do? And for that we go to James 1. James 1, Okay, 122. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For it may be a hearer of the word, and not a doer. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself, and goes his way, and immediately forgets 
what manner of man he was. So like, that's like, you in other words, looking in the mirror, then you walk away and you forget what you look like. <laughs> All right? But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of, of, uh, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Okay? So again, it's taking action. All right? If you're seeking God for this issue or wherever it is that you want to go, you're seeking God for some illumination. When you hear what it is that God wants you to do, then you have to act on it. So it isn't enough to simply be a hearer of the word, but you've got to do it. Um, everything that's being discussed up here today, if it's something that is, is ministering to your heart, to your spirit, and you hear God speaking to a, an aspect of your life where you know that this is applicable to your life, then don't be like, you know, you know the parable of, of the sower where it talks about seeds being sowed and some, some seeds fell into good soil and some fell in, you know, on stony places and so forth, all right? And the seed that fell onto stony places did not take root and didn't grow. They were simply parched and burned out by the sun, in essence, you know. So it is, I mean, that parable is so applicable to us going to church because um, many times what you hear in church on a Sunday especially on a Sunday where you felt really compelled to get to church. And I don't know if many of you have, have been there, have had that time. But there have been times where maybe you really didn't feel well physically, but something you just felt compelled to get to church. And over the years, it's happened to me many, many times. And on the times that you felt really compelled to get to church, the message that you heard from pastor was so applicable to whatever is going on in your life. All right. Um, that is something for you to really, really remember and keep deeply hidden into your spirit, because that seed needs to be planted into your spirit, into your word. All right. And so it is with the word of God in general, and especially with him speaking to you about your life. If you're hearing God telling you about something in your life, something that you need to do or take action on, you know, and you don't do something about it, then it's just falling on deaf ears and those words that God has given you are not going to benefit you in your life. All right? If you're hearing something from God, you've got to do what it is he's telling you to do. All right? And if you say, well, God, you know, but I wanted to go through door number two, and you're telling me to go through door number one, um, that doesn't make sense, Lord. Well, first of all, be careful about going there, because now you're really, really doubting God. All right? If God tells you this is the door that you need to go through, then that's the door you need to, do, need to go through. You need to take some action. So it's not enough for us simply to hear from God. We've got to do what God's word is telling us to do. All right, so Deuteronomy 28, did I tell you? 28, and starting with verse number 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on, a high, on, high, on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field. 
Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. This is your children. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground. Okay? If you are a farmer, obviously it's talking about your farmlands prospering. We are not farmers, but the fruit of the ground will be what we wind up earning, our bank accounts, so to speak. Okay? The fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle. The increase of thy cows and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall, uh, blessed shall be thy basket and thy kneading trough. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be going out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies who rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. Those that battle you or come against you, they will not win, they will not gain. They shall come out against thee one way, and flee before the seven waves. And this is where we need to remember that the battle is God's. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. This could be your bank account, you know, financial prosperity, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee, uh, the, Lord shall, uh, the Lord shall establish thee, a holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, and do what? Walk in his ways. Okay? And that is to walk the talk. And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Right, and it goes on to say, the Lord shall make thee plenteous, and, and so on like that. So in other words, that's speaking of, of saying there that you, you have to do what God is telling you to do. And I mean, just say to yourself, if I do what God is telling me to do, that I'll be blessed going in and blessed going out. I'll be blessed in the city. I'll be blessed in the field. You know. And I read those scriptures many, many, many years ago. And for some reason, that scripture just really, this makes me feel great. That means that no matter where I am, I'm going to be blessed. You know, whatever it is that I set my hand to do, that God's going to have me to prosper if I follow what his word is telling me to do. You know, the most challenging thing is following what God is telling us to do and and, and getting back in the very fundamental part of this whole message here, getting back to understanding that God is with you and that you're going to take him with you wherever you go. Amen, amen. Invite him along. Ask him to get in the car with you. What better place to have God is in your car, especially the way people drive today. Amen, amen. You certainly want him there with you. Amen, amen. So I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.